Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Bring Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your hosts, Zay, Young Vander, and Bro Joe. Welcome back to the best fantasy football podcast on the air, the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast presented to you by Manscaped. I'm your host, Zay, the Fantasy Football Fiend himself. I got my guys on with me, the young guru, Young Vander, holler at the people. Fantasy Fiends, what's going on out there? And my guy, the rookie aficionado, Bro Joe. Holler at the people, Bro Joe. What's going on, Fantasy Fiend family? Yo, this week and for the next couple weeks, just depending on how long it may take, we're definitely going to take a deep dive into the risers and fallers, both looking at the rookie aspect of it, as well as how some of the moves that happened or didn't happen are going to affect a lot of the vets out there. So going to have a lot of fun deep diving into that, going through each team in the NFL so you can know exactly who stands where we're going to give you your news and notes and make sure that you get everything you need to continue your dynasties and for you guys that haven't done your initial dynasty drafts for the first year guys you're definitely going to want to know exactly where everyone stands at this point join us on facebook at the fantasy football fiend family facebook group that's f-e-i-n fantasy football fiend family facebook group now let's go right ahead and hop into your news And now your fantasy news. A lot of the so-called news that's out there this week is going to concern a lot of what we're going to go through with each individual team. So we'll kind of skip over a couple of things and just attack them as we get to each individual team. But let's start with your quarterbacks. We have a few quarterbacks that have been given a vote of confidence, some in words and some in contracts. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is still the starter right now for the Tennessee Titans. Mike Brable said uh, whatever happens going forward is going to be based on the QB competition. But as of right now, Will Levis is the third string quarterback for the Titans. We'll see how long that remains the case. Jordan Love received a one-year extension and golf could get an extension right now. The extension is in talks. There's internal dialogues within the Lions operation. I mean, golf did his thing last year. He kind of gave me a vote of confidence, at least as far as fantasy is concerned. I mean, firstly, I just feel like Tannehill, he's going to be on a short leash. Levis, he currently stands at a number three. But by the time uh, season starts, he should be probably at that number two spot and pretty much breathing down the neck of uh, Ryan Tannehill. All of the guys are just business as usual. Uh, some of the teams are pretty much buying into them. Jordan Love, I think that extension is only a one year. So that's still like a let's see, you know what I'm saying? So they're not too committed to this guy. But I definitely think golf will probably receive extension. 
I think with Tannehill, obviously it being his last year, it's going to be his until someone, you know, beats him for it. But golf, I think golf is in a position that he just got to put up the numbers to get him a subtle extension, maybe something along what Gino had within it being three years. Hendon Hooker being good to go for the start of the season really is going to play a part on how far he goes, honestly. They got him early for a reason, and obviously his evaluations during the combine just adds to the fact you might be pushing golf possibly. Who knows? In Indy, it's being indicated that Anthony Richardson is going to be starting sooner than later. Per Zach Keeper of the Athletic, he's reporting that the head coach, Shane Stitchin, or Stitchin, I apologize if I pronounced his name wrong, um, he says in his humble opinion, players gain experience through practice reps and gain reps. You bring them slowly along, getting as many reps of both as you possibly can. It sounds like within those four walls, they are are leaning towards Anthony Richardson sooner than later, but we'll kind of see how that develops. Um, right now, Gartner Minshew is the, well, we'll see who's the backup, who's the starter, but they have Gartner Minshew and Anthony Richardson in that QB room um, that's going to kind of be battling it out for the week one starter status. But based on what the head coach is saying, it's going to take quite a bit of a showing from Gardner Minshew to be the week one starter, or for that matter, it would take quite a bit of showing in a negative fashion from Anthony Richardson to not be the week one starter. What we got on Indy? Me personally, I think uh, Minshew is going to be the starter week one. They're winning. He'll stay in the seat. If they begin to lose, then he'll slide out the seat. But starting week one, I don't think Anthony Richardson, I mean, who's the better guy? He's the better athlete. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think they're going to just throw him in the fire right away. I really think he's going to be eased in or either forcing in when they feel like they have no choice as far as winning ball games. I think actually Richardson starts. Looking from now until the start of camp, he's going to have OTAs, mini camps, rookie mini camp. Uh, he's going to have every opportunity to learn. And who else to teach him and prepare him to get ready to start other than saying such in, in, in his staff? Yes, he needs to, you know, show certain things. But at this point, you didn't kind of spend the capital you did, took a chance on this guy for him not to be, you know, on the field week one. And they already established that they can build the offense around a Jalen Hurts. Mac Jones and the New England Patriots are supposedly in absolutely great standing. Per Mike Reese of ESPN, he's reporting that the team feels exactly the same way about Mac Jones heading into this season as they did going into last season, which was a little bit tumultuous uh, of a season uh, based on a few things that happened during games and uh, things that didn't quite go the Patriot way, if you will, per Mac Jones. But it's looking like everything is good to go there. And the fact that they're there wasn't any movement prior to or during the draft kind of solidifies that thought process. Also, Trey Lance received medical clearance, so it looks like he's going to be 100% healthy ahead of OTAs. I'm not exactly sure if that changes anything as far as his standing within the 49ers quarterback room. At this point in the game, it looks like it's Purdy's job to lose if he is indeed healthy, but it's also been said that as of right now, Sam Darnold might actually be the QB2 on the depth chart in San Fran. Don't be surprised if week one, if Darnold's the starter. Be honest. I just think this is one of those situations where Purdy's not going to be ready. Trey going, of course, he's the starter, you know, penciled in, but I think with the preseason and, you know, also those practice reps, I think Darnold could very well look like the better quarterback. This is a system that it's going to get the best out of you that, you know, that you have. I mean, Donald, you've seen glimpses of greatness here and there. 
he's got a little bit touched better as he went along. In the Jets, he wasn't so good. He played actually pretty decent in Carolina when he was healthy. And now playing with better players, number one, better offensive line, better coaching staff. Don't be surprised, man, if, if Darnold is the week one starter. Justin Herbert is still recovering from his non-throwing shoulder surgery that he underwent in January. It's an indication that he's probably going to miss OTAs and the team may just kind of, you know, play it safe and put him in a little bit of bubble wrap. Not exactly sure if this is going to have any long-term ramifications as far as Herbert is concerned. But again, it is his non-throwing shoulder. Do we have any reticence as far as Herbert's ability or his recovery prior to the time that is going to matter the most? Or it's just, the you know, we did it at the right time for the right reason. And by the time it matters, everything will be back to normal. I don't think it's done to see here. I don't think it'd be any concern at all about anything like that's it. I don't really got that much to put in this. I don't think there's nothing to be concerned about. He'll be ready to go. Moving on over to running backs, there are a couple of moves that some teams made that we kind of look at as far as the news is concerned. And then again, like I said, we'll hop into it when we break down each team's risers and fallers. But Clyde Edward Alaire, his fifth year option was not picked up by the Chiefs. So it looks like he's going to end up being on the outs before it's all said and done. They also brought back Jerry McKinnon, who was able to feeling admirably on last year when his number was called upon. Do we think that there's a chance that this may be a we're willing to work with you, but not under that salary based on your performance? Or are we pretty sure that he's going to be let go? I think he's, I mean, this is his last year. I think he's playing for his life, his football life. This is really more of an insurance policy. Uh, we keep you around just in case one of the other guys go down. I could very well see him being a healthy scratch, even though he's on the team. But, you know, if Pacheco was to go down, something like that, then maybe his number would be called. But I think week one, I could see him being a healthy scratch, especially with McKinnon returning as well. I can only just take it a step further. I think he's actually going to be looking for, competing for a job, rather, sign an undrafted free agent, which I'm excited to talk about um, when we get to that team. He's going to be done well competing for, you know, a, a roster spot at this point, in my opinion. Veteran running back Latavius Murray inked a one-year deal with the Buffalo Bills. He indicated in his last, most likely year or years in the NFL, he wanted to play for a contender. He wanted to get a ring, and he feels like Buffalo is in prime position to be able to do just that. They picked up an additional running back. We'll talk about how that kind of affects everything and the running backs that are there momentarily. Another bit of news in the Joe Mixon saga, he is garnering support from head coach Zach Taylor in response to the legal situation that he's currently in. So that tells us unless there is a court case or a ruling or investigation from the NFL prior to the season start, as far as internally, he, he's good to go so don't know what will happen next year he's he's in the last year of his contract with Cincinnati and it looks like it's most likely he'll be heading on up the road next year but for this year it looks like he may just be safe yeah just taking it a step further with Mixon they actually went to the draft about as far as like uh, actually pursuing a running back position based on how they felt about him so to take it to your point uh, even more that's even how they went about the draft Mixon was already in their plans going forward I think the Depending on how the legal situation shakes up during the season or how, you know, how it pans out, he may come back the following year, in my opinion. 
I'm not sure. Um, not saying they, they lost faith in, in mixing them like that, but these guys already have their insurance policy. This is a really deep draft when they come to running backs, but in that fifth round, they went ahead and got a guy that probably going to be his replacement. Because think about it, they have two other younger running backs on the roster, and Trevion and then the other kid, um, Evans. Those guys are pretty young as well, but they went ahead and spent that fifth round pick on a running back who probably is already the number two guy from day one. And I think they pretty much are prepared to see See which way these things go. I think it's gonna really come down to the contract. I don't think it's gonna come down to really to off the field things, but the off the field stuff has pretty much what the contract, you know, all that's kind of rolled into one. So I think they're gonna make him an offer, and if he refuses, then they probably look to cut ties. A lot of these guys you're gonna see get cut in training camp. So guys that's on teams right now, Joe just talked about CH. A couple of you guys are they're not safe. So they just they made it past the draft and not get traded, but getting in the camp and coming out, you're gonna see a lot of veterans get cut. Speaking of, we have reports that Cordell Patterson running back for the Atlanta Falcons may just end up being a cap casualty. We know that they picked up the most touted running back in this year's draft for that backfield. So it's looking like they may be running with the younger guys. Like Allegier was a rookie on last year. And then they also have Hunt, who's there, who was a rookie last year as well. So they may be going with the younger stable there in the running back position. Finishing things up, as far as news is concerned, with your wide receivers, Randall Cobb is now officially a New York Jet. So it looks like Rodgers hooked his boy up with another job. Uh, he's been been Rodgers' guy since their first go-around with each other in Green Bay. And when he lost his position with the Houston Texans, Rodgers made sure that he had a position back in Green Bay with him. And now that he's no longer in Green Bay, uh, he's a Jet. He made sure that he got signed there, too. So it's nice to have friends in high places. Randall Cobb is now officially a Jet right alongside his boy Rodgers. Jalen Ragers, his option didn't get picked up by Minnesota. That's one of the biggest disappointments uh, in a wide receiver, in a draft that was full of wide receivers, Jalen Rager being chosen above the likes of you know Justin Jefferson, for instance. Definitely still has the sting a little bit, but the Eagles have kept trekking right along, so no worse for the wear with that pick. Jerry Judy's fifth-year option has been exercised. So I know we were hearing a lot of scuttlebutt about him possibly being traded. He or Sutton, that could still possibly be the case. But his fifth-year option has been exercised. Uh, what we got on these guys? Uh, one of these guys, I think, will be moved by the time the season starts. I'm not sure if it's going to be Sutton or Judy. I think Judy makes the most sense because in this offense, the slot guy is not really a guy that's a big deal in it. It's really about that that outside guy. I mean, we've seen it in New Orleans. We've seen it the last few years in um, San Diego. Well, you know, Mike Williams kind of took a step in front of Keenan Allen. So this don't make no difference, you know, in this situation. I just think Judy makes the most sense to be moved because I think even though he's probably the more talented receiver, I just think his position in his offense is not as important as uh, like a guy like Sutton on the outside playing next. I mean, in regards to like Rager and everything, not much there. But going back to Judy, I think, honestly, they, these people are committed to Judy. I mean, they already picked up the, his, his fifth-year option already and already exercised 
criticized it. And everything that, that seems to have been going on as far as the relationship he's been building up with Russell Wilson and what Sean Payton has had said about him thus far. I mean, you already have Tim Patrick locked up for the next two years. Not saying much, but between him and Sutton, same archetype, same type of build. And he also added an additional wide receiver during the draft while already having a Ken Hamler already steadily on the field. I just think Judy has the most uh, – uh, let me articulate this right away. I think Judy has the ceiling, whereas with Sutton, we just we just know that he could possibly blossom into something. I, I, I think this, the ceiling of Judy is going to propel him into a contract, and I think it's going to pay off on the field already building that rapport with Russell um, throughout the season while Sutton was away due to injury. John Meachie is back to full strength in the Houston wide receiver room. He had to deal with a bout of cancer on last year, so his leukemia has completely regressed. Big ups to John Meachie for uh, his recovery and his continuation with his career there. He should be in competition, you know, for that wide receiver one, wide receiver two role. Brandon Ayuk was given his fifth-year option, so we'll kind of see what happens with San Fran. There was a lot of talk about him possibly being on the move this offseason as well that's yet to occur don't foresee that happening prior to this year based on the moves that weren't made with San Fran DeAndre Hopkins ended up not getting traded before or during the draft which pretty sure they were asking for more than the second round pick that they had to pay the Texans for him a couple years ago which is interesting that you know they would ask for the same or better now we'll kind of see what happens with that team but Hopkins may be there for the long haul what we got to wrap up the news there? Uh, nothing really. Uh, Hopkins did say something like, who said I want to leave? Like, come on, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> now it's like, who who said that? I'm happy here and all this jazz. So I think we just got past the first leg of this thing. And, you know, we still got the summer. And, again, you still have training cap, things like that. So there's still going to be some guys moved. There's still going to be some, some, some things moving around, moving and shaking. You're going to have some injuries and in camps, things like that. So I think we just have to just stay put and stay tuned. Yeah, well, Hopkins, I think more or less, is, it's contractual. Just He just want new money. I think, you know, where he where things stand, where his contract about set to expire and where he ranks as far as wide receivers year-per-year basis, it's more so money. And I think it's a thing of Cardinals wanting to see what his worth is and honestly seeing what they're committed to doing. It's just a, a, a tug of war that's going behind the scenes, really. But it's, it's good to see that more likely than not, he's going to be there for this upcoming season. And that pretty much wraps up your news. Let's go ahead and jump right into your risers and fallers. First up, the Atlanta Falcons. Everyone knows that they drafted the most polarizing running back in this year's draft in Bijan Robinson. They also ended up picking up a couple of guards, a few defensive players, but um, a center, a guard, and Robinson are the ones that are most likely going to affect fantasy. So we all know that Robinson does a multifaceted running back. He's going to be the guy that should be getting the rock steadily. Although currently um, they do have a couple running backs in tow. As we were just speaking of earlier, Patterson may end up being a cap casualty. So they have Robinson, they still have Tyler Allegier, and then they have Caleb Huntley as well. How do we see the Atlanta Falcons cashing out? Who are our risers? Who are our fallers as far as Atlanta is concerned. The elephant in the room, uh, Robinson, he is the riser, one of the most uh, declarated uh, running backs in, in, a, in a while. So um, 
I would say him, as far as a follow, I mean, let's stick to the same position. Uh, Tyler Allegier, he was looking up. It seemed like things was looking up for him going into this season. But being where Atlanta fall and being where who they drafted, he kind of now took a back seat. So he kind of came in last year, took Cordell Patterson off, and now someone comes in and pretty much takes him, takes him, take him off. So as far as the rest of the team goes, I can't really say. I think everybody else kind of stays kind of even. Not many rises, many falls anywhere else on the offense. I think those are the two guys, in my opinion, that either rose or fell. What I liked, what I heard uh, was Arthur Smith had a private workout with him in Atlanta, and pretty much coming from that workout, his versatility on the field was something that really stood out, not just as a running back, but as a possible outside and slot receiver in this offense. Him, just like we already know, everybody knows this, him coming to the offense, I would kind of caution people, like, this isn't like a, a split backfield. This is a Najee backfield at this point. How versatile and how much of a three-down uh, back that he is, I think Arthur Smith's going to get really creative. And what they did with getting Bergeron in the draft, it really solidifies that. He's a tackle that can play guard inside. It really adds to that versatility because they already had Matt Hennessy on the team. Caleb Gray, I'm not too familiar with, but Bergeron is something. He's he Where he, where he fell in the draft really solidifies what they're trying to do on offense. And I think the slight rise in this, as far as dynasty, would be someone like a Desmond Ritter. Ritter was already kind of thrown to the fire, so to speak, and really an anemic offense, one that's heavy, heavy, super heavy on a run offense. I'm thinking it more so returns more so to a passing form. Obviously, having the full complement of receivers and healthy receivers, Drake London and Pitts. Obviously, Jono, again, another reason to that versatility, having somebody like Jono, really is going to help him as a quarterback relative to Dynasty. Next up, we have the Carolina Panthers, who we all know drafted the Alabama quarterback Bryce Young, number one overall. They also picked up Mississippi's wide receiver Jonathan Mingo, who is looking to possibly fight it out for the starting position right now. It's looking like it's going to be a competition between Mingo and Terrace Marshall Jr. for that outside wide receiver position, along with DJ Chark and Adam Thielen. They didn't add anyone of note as far as running backs are concerned. So it looks like nothing is going to change with the Miles Sanders, Cuba Hubbard, and Raheem Blackshear backfield. What do you guys have on Carolina? Uh, the rosters will probably be the whole offense, being that they now have their guy at quarterback. So I'm going to give a boost to pretty much all the skilled players on the team. I think Mingo definitely is a roster as well. I think he's he was drafted to be the guy. I understand that you know him and him and uh, Marshall probably are battling out for that X position or something like that. But uh, I think he was the guy drafted to be the guy. He was also checked off by Steve Smith. A guy that pretty much was involved in this in this choice as well. So, in my opinion, I don't, I don't think there's any really any fallers at all. I mean, because this team, how far fall can you fall? You know what I'm saying, <laughs> like he's already down. So, I don't think there's any fallers. I think you know this team has only elevated since the off season started. So, I'm gonna say everyone has pretty much rose on this team. And just to kind of piggyback off it, I think like you said, the team as a whole really benefited. If I had to look at a group and kind of say that it's something you know critique would be the wide receiver group i mean we already knew adam thielen you know kind of be on his last you know stand in the nfl dj chark really just you know someone that's been you know a statesman just traveling around and then terrace marshall who's going to get an opportunity to prove it that addition to uh, Jonathan Mingo in that room really solidifies a lot in the sense where kind of conveyed already. He's going to get opportunity 
need to earn his playing time on the field. I don't think it starts out that way. You know, he is a prospect. He kind of can refine himself as a route runner and kind of uh, work on a, f- a few more consistencies. He can easily be the top receiver because I, I agree. I think he was, you know, drafted with the intent to get them outside, you know, receiver, a good replacement to the DJ Moore. So I kind of think it kind of hurts the receiver group. I think, you know, especially with Bryce's skill set, someone who likes to spread the ball, more of the open man kind of guy. With that Jonathan Mingo, really, if somebody had value for those other receivers, I would just tell them to hold tight. Next up, we have the New Orleans Saints, who didn't really have any big splashes, if you will, in the draft. But they did get TCU running back Kendra Moore, and they also got Wake Forest wide receiver A.T. Perry, um, along with a couple guards and defensive players. Fresno State quarterback Jake Hayner is also there. He looks to be a backup to the backup currently. Did anything really change as far as New Orleans was concerned? Um, are, are the veterans pretty much standing pat? Or is A.T. Perry going to end up taking over Michael Thomas's spot and they go ahead and actually get rid of the guy that they paid for several years that hadn't really done much? How you see New Orleans hashing out? I mean, I think the guy that's going to benefit most is uh, Kendra Miller, being that Alvin Kamara will be suspended, I'm sure. I don't know if it's going to be four or six games, some of that nature. So Jamal Williams is not really that, I would call a bell cow, per se. He could be a three-down back. I mean, he can't catch the ball as well. He does, you know, run goal line, but I think Kendra would be the guy that really get the boost there. So I would say he's a riser. He's probably one of the better, one of the rookies that probably didn't get a chance to see the field a lot earlier than most. Michael Thomas is on watch. Let's see if he make it out of training camp. You know how he, he is with his surgery, his healing process. I don't think if he heals fast enough this time, his replacement is, you know, there now with A.T. Perry being a bigger wide receiver, probably take his place. So other than that, I think everything else pretty much stays pretty even kill at the quarterback position and uh, as far as the other guys. Yeah, definitely can agree with that. I think Keandre should be ready by the time training camp starts with the meniscus injury. I think he'll definitely play, you know, to a large capacity because of the suspension with Kamara. I think that's kind of a good transition, honestly, even with Kamara coming back is depending on how well this kid performed, that, that kind of solidifies what Kamara is going into the following season. As far as wide receiver is concerned, I don't know. Like you said, it's all on the health of Michael Thomas. It, you know, can he stay healthy? Will he not need another surgery, like you just said as well, too? What I notice about this offense, they kind of go deep into their wide receiver group. Like they got, they went real deep into the, like the fifth, sixth receivers a lot during the game. On top of getting Jawan Johnson involved in the offense, I think At has grasped the offense. I'm quite sure when the time comes. Very smart. He's a very smart player. I like that fit for him to go there, being behind, you know, an Alave, a Michael Thomas. He might be someone that if any, you know, if anyone is to come to injury, especially in redraft, I'll be all over that kid. He's a really smart wide receiver to be coming into the pros. To wrap up the NFC South, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who really didn't make any, shall I say power moves or any moves that are going to greatly affect fantasy, which means in this particular case, it may be some of the vets that are already there who are going to be the risers. But the offensive guard out of North Dakota State was drafted on the offense. Um, The tight end out of Purdue, Payne Durham, was also drafted. And then Nebraska wide receiver Trey Palmer was drafted as well. I don't see any day one fantasy starters. So I'm taking it that that Make sure Mike Evans of the world, your you know Godwin's, 
Bashad White, even a um, Baker Mayfield. It kind of solidifies those guys at this point, barring injury, and their stock is a little bit on the rise. Uh, what you got with Tampa Bay? I would say the biggest benefactor here would probably be a running back Rashard White. These guys didn't uh, address uh, bringing in another running back in the draft. Now, after the draft was over, they did give one of the guys that was highly touted, uh, Sean Tucker, an undrafted free agent deal for him in. So watch out for him. I mean, this guy's a really good talent. He dropped out of the draft due to some health issues. People was kind of concerned about he had a little heart issue, but he was cleared by doctors. And uh, this guy can probably be a guy that probably leapfrog a guy like uh, Keyshawn Vaughn and Chase Edmonds. He'd probably be knocking on their door. So he can very well, very easily jump to the number two running back. I would say Rashad White probably be the guy that probably benefited the most. No no fear, really, as far as Trey Palmer. I think Godwin and Evans, Russell Gage are pretty much locked in. Also, I guess Baker Mayfield has a little more confidence as well because they didn't address bringing another quarterback to compete with him and uh, Kyle Trask. I like getting Cody much. I think that was one of the things. He's actually a tackle that might kick into guard, but he's a, a great a great pass blocker, a great run blocker. Like you said, I think it really bodes well for Rashad White. Trey Palmer does stick out to me relative to Dynasty. Just like another Palmer, Josh Palmer, it's it's a, it's the same type of roadmap for him where he has a lot of upside to be a contributor in the offense. Now, I think it is stringent on Russell Gage, but he can really you know go into the following years to play himself as a, a second receiver. I mean, a third receiver. And if anything were to happen to Mike Evans and Chris Godwins for salary cap reasons, depending on how well the season turned out, that could bode well for him too. I like Rakeem Jarrett as well too. That was another uh, speedster that I like uh, going through the draft process, not relatively speaking now, but another good prospect as far as a weapon. I really kind of like what they did kind of telling their hand about what they're going to do with the running game based on the alignment they signed. But to Vander's point, between Ronnie Brown and Sean Tucker, I think that's a good compliment and a great competition we're going to see for the three spot. I've, you know, they praise uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, but I think he might be on a bubble with a skill set like a, a Sean Tucker. Hopping on over to the NFC East, we have the Dallas Cowboys up first. They really didn't have a whole lot of offensive picks, but they did address the need at tight end with Michigan tight end Luke Shoemaker. And they also got the offensive tackle out of North Carolina, Asim Richards. Now, Kansas State running back Deuce Vaughn also ends up going here. And it was a bit of a, how would I say, a heartwarming moment with this particular pick because his father is actually uh, currently employed with the Dallas Cowboys. So it was kind of a, a dream come true there for the father-son combination. The father had the opportunity to, to make the draft call. So, you know, there were a lot of uh, eyes that were uh, leaking in that room. Um, and then they also got South Carolina wide receiver Jalen Brooks. So who do we see rising and falling as far as the Dallas Cowboys are concerned? I honestly don't think there's any fallers or risers. Um, I mean, the fallers would be maybe guys that were brought in like Ronald Jones, who probably thought he had a opportunity. And also Malik Davis returning. I really do think Deuce Vaughn, it's funny, right? Because the Cowboys are going to have like two smaller, you know, jerky kind of running backs. I mean, you know what kind of guy Pollard is. I mean, and Deuce Vaughn is like a little Darren Sproles. Like, I think these are going to be the two-headed guys. I think, you know, you, you don't, you never see a two-headed little guys, you know what I'm saying? And and that's what this is going to be. They don't, it's curious if they're going to, 
have a running, a goal line kind of guy. Because I don't really see that on this roster. Even though Ronald Jones could be that, but I think he could be a cap guy or a bubble guy going into camp. They did address the tight end situation. I guess I would say there's a rise part there, but I don't really think there's really been any fallers in this thing. I mean, because this backfield is not going to be Tony Pollard on his own. So I would give it to Deuce Vaughn being a, a rise in his offense. I really think he's going to see the field early. Like you said, it, they really didn't have to really do too much. Going to Luke Shoemaker, you kind of like about him. He was a high draft choice with the 58 uh, overall pick in the second round. I like his skill set. He reminds me of, he's actually Schultz. If I had to clone Schultz, I would say that'd be Shoemaker. And I think that's the reason why they kind of went and got him. It's just funny they took a lot of Michigan people back to back. Uh, they was really at their pro day, you could tell, based on what happened. Uh Vaughn always, I kind of liked him. He's 5'5". Five, five. He reminds me of like a, a Darren Sproles. They still, and I think, I forgot which one, I think Jerry or whether it was his son, they haven't ruled out bringing back Ezekiel Elliott. Right, I, think, I saw that too. So I think we got to kind of keep note to that as well. All right, moving on over to the New York Giants. They didn't make too many offensive picks in this draft, but they did pick up Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee wide receiver. They also picked up Eric Gray, running back out of Oklahoma, and center John Michael Schmitz. So um, how do we feel about the Giants' prognosis going into this year? Who are risers? Who are fallers? This whole offense, I I don't really see any rising here at all, to be honest with you. The wide receiver room is pretty deep. It's deep of Jags. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just the most weirdest. Like, okay, they bought in Jalen Hyatt, but what what are we going to really get from him? I'm not sure if he's going to be what kind of guy he's going to be on his next level. That's yet to be seen. You still have Sterling Shepard. You got one there, Robinson. You got Hodgins there. You got Slayton there. You got you bought in Paris Campbell. Like, who's the guy? You know what I mean? So I think the step back would be Daniel Jones because he still doesn't have a weapon. I mean, they bought in Darren Waller. He's there. That's a good thing, but let's see. You know what I mean? Let's see how that works out. But And Saquon is still going through the contractual things. Um, they did draft a running back for Oklahoma, Eric Gray. That's interesting. I think he's probably going to leapfrog Breida for that second spot. But this team hasn't really made a step forward to really compete in this division. So I, I think everyone pretty much took a, a step. Maybe not a huge step, but definitely a, a step back. I got to agree with you a thousand percent. It, I mean, real life football, you obviously like the center going to them. He was regarded as one of the top centers in the draft. And obviously it was a deep offensive uh, uh, grouping, but he really stood out. I think that really kind of not just solidifies a, l- a little bit added protection for Daniel Jones, but somebody who's really smart. And it's going to help recall a lot of those adjustments and protections. So I do like the offensive line a lot more adding that piece. Um, they already had two bookends with Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas, and now you got him. But other than that, like you said, it's, it's really a bunch of jags, honestly. I wouldn't tell people as far as Jalen Hyatt to bet on him just yet. But what I will say is that going into the following year, it'll be really interesting because I think he's going to need a lot of help from injury. But then again, on top of that, a lot of the people, like as far as skill sets, are almost the same. So he'd be asking for a lot. But if you wanted a riser, somebody who may have took him heavy in the draft this year, if you just notice a diminished value, I would pounce on him because I think going into the following year, he's going to have a lot of value. What you want to see from him, and I think this is why they drafted him with such a deep group, is that he needs to be more of a refined route runner. I know he doesn't like to hear that because I saw the 
the video on Twitter. But if he can kind of learn to really do it at the like an NFL level, similar to what Vander was alluding to, he can really pay off dividends going into the following year. Where I really would look at him like a Gabe Davis in this offense if he's able to do relatively well. But again, you ask him for a lot of things. But if somebody we already know as far as dynasty draft, they might have used a second round pick on him. If you see him like really staggering, not grabbing a hold of the offense, the fifth guy on the depth chart, trade for him. Go get him, you know. We have the Philadelphia Eagles, who didn't do very much on offense as far as the draft was concerned. But during the draft, the second day of the draft, I believe it was, they made a trade for DeAndre Swift, who now sits atop of their running back depth chart. So definitely a a riser there as far as Swift is concerned. They went out and got another Georgia Bulldog. A faller is concerned as far as Rashad Penny, Kenneth Gainwell, those guys. Now, they got an offensive guard out of Alabama, and then they got a backup QB, Tanner McKee, out of Stanford. But the winners of the draft, in my opinion, were the Eagles based on the picks that they made on defense. It's like every, everyone that should not have been there was there for them. Defensive tackle Jalen Carter out of Georgia. Edge rusher Nolan Smith out of Georgia. They also got Keely Ringo, the cornerback out of Georgia. So they basically – they're trying to basically be the – Philadelphia Bulldogs is what it's looking like it's boiling down to, but a team that we thought may take a step back because of their cap situation and them kind of going for broke last year has actually filled in everything they lost and looks to be in position to keep moving for some years to come because now they're young and just about everyone is under contract for a few years. So, man, this team is scary. That's all I'm going to say. Like, They didn't, like you said, they didn't address much on the offensive side during the draft. I mean, with the addition to of a DeAndre Swift, I think this benefits everyone, especially Jalen Hurts is another weapon, a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. If you want to say anyone took a step back, it'll probably be a guy like a Rashad Penny. And the guys, you know, Scott and, and Gainwell, they just added another guy to this to the crew that was that's better than, you know, all of us. I would say they probably took a small step back even though they're going to probably have their own little committee going, but they just brought in a guy that's going to be the head of that. I did kind of like the addition to the Clemson wide receiver, um, Nada Joseph. He's a pretty solid guy. He dropped another uh, undrafted free agent signing. You spoke on Ringo. Uh, they even got the kid um, Eli Ricks, who was supposed to have been a big deal as well, but he dropped due to some uh, some other things as well. But he's supposed to be a, a higher pick. But this team is it's loaded, man. It's on paper. This team is uh is, is something to reckon with. Like you said, like this is just the Philadelphia Bulldogs. Honestly, um, I love this defense, and I think I, like I like to reach on defense early and redraft. And I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna follow up with the same thing this year. You consider everything that they lost during the uh, off season. They honestly have on paper a just as good team, even with all the losses they had on paper. Uh, particularly like um, and it's gonna be relatively quick. I think Sidney Brown fell into them safety. That was huge. Like you know, CD uh, CDJ was a. Hopefully, I got the abbreviation right. He's really good for that offense. But this guy is he gonna go sideline to sideline. Obviously, we know all the Georgia guys. Seeing the Kobe start was something we didn't see last year. And anybody knowing the Kobe, you think Roquan Smith, another one of our guys, he just has that type of presence to that offense. And obviously, you seeing Jalen Carr. I, I love this team, man. Are you, all they picks on defense to y'all point hit. Going back to the running back, belt, I think that's the biggest loser is the, the entire group. Because um, going into it, 
Kenneth Gainwell, Rashad Penny, we was already wondering who's going to be the guy. It looked like if we had to add someone, it would be Kenneth Gainwell. Now you add a guy like DeAndre uh, Swift, and this is more so what Sirianni likes. Sirianni doesn't go have like favor a one running back system typically. He just likes a bunch of guys and follows the hot hand. And you look at even the other group of running backs on here, they was saying Trey Sermon was going to be the guy. Oh, we like they brought back um, Boston Scott and then they um, put back on the team Kennedy Brooks. Like, this is they have a great running back group, and I think it really lends to Jalen Hurts more than anything. And lastly, Tyler Steen. The guard that they draft, well, he's not really a guard. He's a tackle that they might kick in the guard. That's something real smart considering Lane Johnson uh, in the near future. That's a good building block. Somebody, like you said, kicking to guard or whatever. And that just really bolsters the protection they're going to have around Hurts. I think that was a sneaky pick they got getting Tyler Steen in the draft. Hey, real quick, though. Um, one thing about this Eagles team during the draft, you know how you watch the draft. It's a team's on, a team's on the clock, and you'd be like, Man, why did they pick him? Like, why didn't they pick? Nah, like with the Eagles, it's like they pick the guy you're supposed to pick. And that's what they all got like about this team. Like, when these guys fall to them, they're taking them. They're not like drafting some guard from Nebraska, you know what I'm saying? Like, nah, we want Jalen Carter. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they're going to pick the guy. And when they dropped in the, uh, the edge rusher from Georgia, no, we want him to. Like, they got the best available players. And, and and that's one thing I liked about the way they draft this year. Yeah, one thing about the Eagles is they were in a position to be able to just draft the best player on board because it just so happened that their deficiencies, the guys that left, guys yeah. that fell, happened to fill those uh, holes. So it worked out almost perfectly for them. Let's go ahead and round out the NFC East. We have the Washington Commanders. They didn't really do a whole lot on offense. Um, they did get a center for, out of Arkansas in Ricky Stromberg. They did get an offensive tackle out of Utah. Running back out of Kentucky, Chris Rodriguez is probably the only guy that may be fantasy relevant, um, just depending on how things goes. But uh, Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson are still running that backfield. And keep in mind, there's a new guy in charge of the offense. So whatever foul Antonio Gibson kind of uh, had on his record is expunged temporarily because Eric Bieniemy is going to be completely in charge of the offense is what the owners are indicating. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how that works out. But Washington, really, the guys that were there kind of remain where they were as far as I can see. What you guys got? Yeah, I don't think anyone took a step back here. Uh, I think a step on a vote of confidence to Sam Howell, uh, being that these guys didn't go out there and draft another quarterback to bring in. There's been some rumors about you know, Hooker being a, a guy that can land here in Washington, that didn't happen. Again, not really drafting any quarterbacks. I think that um, that says, you know, maybe he could possibly be the guy uh, day one. The kid, Rodriguez, is pretty interesting because he has a really good skill set. He kind of got some Pacheco in him. You kind of don't want to compare guys to guys where they came from, but he's kind of got that kind of, you know, uh, thing on him. The enemy being ahead of this offense fully. Uh, Brian Robinson is not his guy. Antonio Gibson's skill set fit more of a, that kind of that offense, the Chiefs, that you're accustomed to. But I'm kind of curious to see how Brian Robinson fits well in this offense. Like, he doesn't really fit that mold to me. Rodriguez is an interesting uh, prospect to keep your eye on. Chris Rodriguez, like you said, somebody whose skill set really stands out, someone that can do a little bit of everything. But he reminds me, 
not so much Pacheco, but another guy that was there once upon a time, and Darius Geis. I, I think it's really going to be telling for Antonio Gibson, who's always been on a short leash. One day you my kick returner, the punt returner, that you, you play two downs, you're not on the field. Um, I think he really now has some actual competition because Jonathan Williams and Jared Patterson wasn't really anything. So I think that shakes that up. Brian Robinson, honestly, is going to get the keys to a, a, a good system. Again, many you know, as, as slow as he might be, <laughs> he's slow. He definitely has the the you know skill set as a pass blocker, especially a receiver. Many people kind of forget that in Bama, he has really good hands, really soft hands, and we only can you know imagine what Bama is going to do as a former running back and what his offense is going to look like as his imprint. If Brian Robinson can pan out, this might be, you know, a good running back that you can take favorably and have somebody that's a, a strong RB2. Moving on over to the NFC North, starting out with the Chicago Bears. They made several moves uh, on draft day. And honestly, I think they kind of had one of the, the better drafts. But as far as offensive players are concerned, the guy that was on the pay attention to what team drafts this guy list, Rashawn Johnson. He's drafted now to the Chicago Bears on their running back depth chart. You have offensive tackle out of Tennessee, Darnell Wright, who was their first pick in the draft. So trying to protect Justin Fields a little bit more there, that was definitely a needed pick. Cincinnati wide receiver Tyler Scott. And I believe that was all that they got as far as offense was concerned. But who are the risers and fallers in Chicago? I think the only faller really would be for me would be Khalil Herbert. Again, they, they bought in Deontay Foreman, and now they bought in Rashad Johnson. They brought in two running backs. When earlier around this time last year, you was thinking, yo, Herbert, it may be better than Montgomery in his offense. Remember, that used to be a conversation. Right. But now, no, 365 days later, two more running backs are in the room. So I think he's a guy that really took the fall. The, I mean, he risers. It's been Rogers in this offseason, you know, with the addition to like right. Reggie Moore and things like that. But as far as having this draft, I don't think there's been any Rogers at all at all on this defense, on this team at all. I think it's just only been the one guy falling, and that's uh, Khalil Herbert. I definitely agree with that. Everything you said, top to bottom, Khalil Herbert is, is definitely going to be, you know, a slider. You can, just looking at it, the last couple scat backs is like no longer like Cohen, now Herbert. <laughs> it's, it's not coming out to be that great of a value for the Bears offense. I love they got, if I had to say for Justin Fields, getting Darnell Wright was huge. That dude is a bully. He's a behemoth. And for this running game in general, I think he's going to be a real, he's going to pay a lot of dividends right away. He almost reminds me of Slater, the guy who plays for the Chargers. This dude is a young bully. And I think it really helps, especially like when, you know, the swing tackles and things of that nature going to the second and third level and bullying people, you know, like just look for him to do that. So it really helps with the running game as a whole, as well as Justin Fields. Like I said, this draft, you know, the team as a whole is really in a, a stacked position uh, as of right now. Looking at Roshan, I think that's going to be something that's really interesting. Unless injury to Deontay, I think that's the only way he kind of gets ahead. But you got to love this tandem. It reminds me a lot of Thomas Jones and Cedric Benson. Both of their skill sets combined. I think Roshan is, is, definitely can 
have that adjustment period. I, I think he definitely going to have uh, longevity in this league, but I definitely think he definitely have to learn a different scheme and definitely get more on board. But Deontay, you ain't got much room for error, my dude. You can't even be in the cold tub at this point because Roshan is, is is highly capable of supplanting Deontay uh, in his rookie year. Yeah, I'm looking at Roshan as one of those guys. In even in redraft, you're going to pick up as that last pick, kind of like we were talking about with an Isaiah Pacheco type right, on right. last year. Detroit Lions, they made some moves. As we said, they sent Swift on over to the Eagles, and that was because they got Jameer Gibbs in the draft. They also got tight end Sam Laporta, Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker, and also got wide receiver Anton Green. And out of William William and Mary, the offensive guard, Kobe uh, Sarsdale. Honestly, I I kind of feel like Detroit is putting on a couple of finishing pieces to really be able to compete in a division that no longer has a top dog, if you will. I think the closest we can get to that is probably the Vikings right now with Aaron Rodgers leaving Green Bay. Everyone's jockeying for position here. Just depending on which way the wind blows, any of these teams in this division can kind of take over. I think it's going to end up boiling down to injury. But with Hendon Hooker, we know that golf is in the last year of his contract. We were talking about in the news portion that they may be giving him an extension. Um, But I think that's going to have a lot to do with the healing process of Hendon Hooker. And if he's ready to go and what they see from him in the quarterback room and on the practice field. I think this team as a whole has, has risen. A lot of moves they made. Definitely the Rosers would be a guy like Jerry Goff, even though, you know, bringing the quarterback is not, that can be a, you know, scary thing. But uh, they are talking about extending him. So maybe Hooker be the guy in the waiting, you know, for, to year, from years to come. Yeah, I, I think Goff get a um, one-year extension, just like some of these other quarterbacks did. I mean, the guy to take the step back would be David Montgomery. I mean, <laughs> he thought it was all good. And it was a week ago, but then Jameer Gibbs showed up to the party, and now it's like, mm, you know, the new guy at school. You know what I'm saying? All the girls look at the new guy. So and, uh, he's on the he's on the team. He definitely take the step up. Sam LaPorter probably going to fill in that role that was left by Hawkinson. Poor Brock Wright. <laughs> he takes a little step back. But this team took a step back before the draft and losing their, their guy, Jamison Williams. I mean, with the little – gambling issue thing he had going on that kind of hurts the team yeah six a, names you know what i'm saying for that wide receiver group because they're not that strong they got Armand, but that's it i mean they brought in the veteran marvin jones like uh okay he's gonna be like the udonis haslam of the miami heat you know he's just gonna be the, <laughs> the old guy that used to play for the lions and he's gonna like you know teach the guys how to be nfl wide receivers per se josh reynolds another guy they brought in who's no you know what i mean so Jameson Williams really hurt the team as far as having that other receiver. But other than that, this team definitely uh, took a step forward pretty much as a whole. Sam LaPorter, I think, because I was one of the people, I'm like, wait, I think Mayo was still on the board. Uh, somebody else, I'm like, why are they taking him? To me, honestly, is a Sam dunk. I mean, Hawkinson um, was a good receiver. He's done tremendously well with the Vikings. But talk about not missing a beat. You're getting somebody that's even more a receiver uh, than a tight end to this offense. And now you can actually stretch the field. This guy is, is much is much faster as well, too. I think, you know what I mean, this is a great weapon to add to what was going on. Like, you can still have Brock Wright and him on the field at the same time. And Brock, being more of a blocker, can, you know, do more of what they'll be at. they used to ask Hawkinson to do. But you get somebody like this to be – 
I don't want to say Ingram because Ingram had a phenomenal season, but coming into when the Giants drafted Ingram, you can see those similarities with a Sam Laporta. Jared Goff, right? I think with Jared Goff, we really, I think this contract is something that gets done, won't be something that won't uh, transpire until training camp and then well into training camp. If he leaves training camp without a contract, it's something to watch. Like Jared Goff is a good quarterback and he's definitely uh, regained some of that form from that Super Bowl time that uh, he had not too long ago. But Hendon Hooker is the wrong person that you want to go up against. I think Hendon Hooker, especially as healthy as he's looked and how uh, even in some of the dropbacks and some of the things that he's been doing, he looks well on his way to be ready by the start of camp. And I think he's actually projected to be ready by camp. So that's even better. You just, a piece like him, obviously we're not talking about redraft, but as far as dynasty, I think you really want to play this one extremely close to the, the vest because his arm is uncanny. Like how he can how he can throw it. I don't care if the people was wide open, but the trajectory, the velocity, the touch that he puts on his passes, just his throws in general, those things are crisp. Those things are on the point. It gets to where it got to go fast. It got zip. If golf don't get an extension during camp, I'm definitely going to get him the hooker because, again, they drafted him in the, you know for a reason. And I think it's really to be a potential starter more than the other quarterbacks that was taken in this class as far as after the big four for context. The Green Bay Packers had several draft picks in this draft. Um, they had Oregon State tight end Luke Musgrave, Michigan State wide receiver Jaden Reed. They also drafted South Dakota State tight end Tucker Kraft, along with Penn State quarterback Sean Clifford. Virginia wide receiver Dontavion Wicks and Central Michigan running back Lou Nichols. They also drafted Charlotte wide receiver Grant DeBose. Um, Bro Joe, why don't you start us out with the risers and fallers for Green Bay? Yeah, man. Obviously, it's going to be a younger team, but I do like the wide receivers that they, they brought to this group and even the tight end, right? So going to Jaden Reed, someone that I didn't have high on my board, but in general, looking at his skill set, what he can do, talking about somebody who you can just plug and play and ask to do something at a really high level. I think he might pay dividends, and I think it's some it's it's more relative to us hearing the news, following the beat writers, seeing what he uh, can do in camp. But don't read too much into it, right? Because with Romeo Dobbs, he was kept, he was cooking everybody until he got a hold of my boy finally in camp. I think it was like week two in camp when he finally got Jair Alexander, and then those that news went the other way, right? But it's somebody you do have to follow in camp and just see if he's really playing to his upside because that could be honestly a solid wide receiver three, maybe even a two upside in fantasy. Grant DuBose is somebody you want to see as well too. He was my sleeper wide receiver in general because this the depth chart and how everything looking. We got to see how this that shakes out. But let me stop talking about people who are on the fence and go to Luke Musgrave, right? So we look at Tunyon and what Tunyon was asked to do in this offense. You're getting a real smooth wide receiver. I mean, tight end, excuse me, because that, that, that's how fluid and how well he runs his routes. You really can easily get confused by the fact that you're looking at the tight end, right? Musgrave, I think, is going to be in a great position. Uh, Tucker Craft is, just, again, that's more so your blocking, your blocking in type of piece. But Musgrave really intrigued me, really intrigued me when you finally take a look at him. I think he's the one that's going to, uh, as far as fantasy, because the offense, I think, is really going to be spread out and more run-centric and really playing off the skill sets yet again of Aaron Jones. Um, you really got to turn to Christian Watson in this offense as far as the value. I think that's the riser we're getting some all these different 
you know, diverse uh, receivers and tight ends is that you really allowing the head coach to really go to an offense he wanted to run before, you know, the Aaron Rodgers debacles. You know, I think we really see more of his rendition of his offense post Rodgers. Yeah, this thing is strange, right? Uh, as soon as Rodgers leaves, now they go draft all the offense in the world, right? Remember? <laughs> we used to go years and years and years and years and they would not get this. We said they was going to do that. Busy. We said they was going to do that. They, they wouldn't get him a weapon Despite. for anything. You know what I'm saying? But now all of a sudden, Whoop these! Let's bring in all these wide receivers, and let's go grab two tight ends while we at it. And it's like, man, I wouldn't say there's really many fallers in this team. Um, I think the biggest fall would be losing one of the better quarterbacks of our of our game. Thanks. But uh, being now that you have to move on, the Packers did a good job with you know just trying to you know let's just throw it all together. Let's try to get some pieces in here, uh, some young guys. Um, I was confused about drafting the two tight ends, though. That was kind of confusing me. I was watching the draft. I was like... Remember, they lost Tanya, and they really didn't have much of a backup. Um, Mercedes Lewis may still be there. Um, no, but even no, Mercedes they have Josiah, is more a, a run-blocking guy. Yeah, they need but, the tight ends. But the last time, you, you don't really see teams draft two tight ends in the draft. I mean, I think the Pages did it. I'm about to say the Patriots, but I'm yeah. like, yeah, but um, we saw how that turned out. That was a pretty good thing, but yeah, I do like Jaden Reed. This guy's he, he has a really good skill set, he's one of the better wide receivers at the senior bowl. Argument, he's the best receiver out there, really good route runner, pretty good compliment to a guy like a Christian Watson. To Tavion Wicks, he's another guy that has some potential, but overall, I would say I would give this team a, a step up being that the circumstances they went through. But this team is going to have some growing pains because it's so young. I mean, you just look at this roster. Like, the, the whole wide receiving core is, like, no more than two years in. The quarterback, his first time, first for the, the, the veterans are the running backs. Yeah. Aaron Jones right. is, like, the you know what I'm saying? Not besides, you know, the offensive lineman, like a Batari or something. But other than that, like, the running so maybe backs Maybe I give the, them a boost because, you know, Traditionally, I mean, the coach likes to run a more run-centric type of offense, but having Aaron Rodgers there, you know, you really couldn't do but so much running before you had to appease him. But I, I think they'll be doing a lot more running. So I can see the Aaron, uh, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon kind of taking a, a bit of a rise. Yeah. Minnesota Vikings, they drafted wide receiver Jordan Addison. They also drafted quarterback Jaron Hall and running back out of UAB, Dwayne Mick. Right. A step up, I would say Cousins. Cousins? I was about yeah. to say, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would give it to Cousins. I mean, being that this, you know, this Addison, like, this is a really, really good pair, a really good pairing, I think, to go with Justin. Like, this this can have some, some fire to it, man. This could be a really good duo. If Addison, you know, be with the Addison that we, this is a Belitnikov winner, you know what I mean? Former. And TJ Hawkinson on the field with them. Right. This this can so I would give the boost to a guy like uh, Kirk Cousins. I'm not gonna really say there's any drop off anywhere. If you want to say a drop off, it just may be the the sign on the door with Dalvin Cook could possibly leave. If they did bring in the guy Dwayne McBride, who I, who we spoke on and doing our running back uh, thing, I really like him. He's probably gonna leapfrog into the three spot. Then if Cook leaves, he probably jump into the two spot. I would say that. That's so you're saying that you have Alexander Madison as being their starter, just depending on what happens. One hundred percent. Yeah, 100%. Okay. I mean, and Cook's already came out and said he has a destination in mind. So once you get to that point, they're probably just trying to work out some things behind you know, behind the door. So 
thing about that, I thought that would have maybe taken place prior to the draft because it sounded like they were talking draft compensation as far as Cook was concerned. So is this going to be like DeAndre Hopkins scenario where it's like, hey, nah, I'm I'm, I'm good. I'll, I'll take the money that I got here and we'll, we'll keep it moving. Or do you think that 2024 picks, they'll be just as good with as they would have been with 2023? No, it's not going to be just as good because that's a, a running back getting a year older, right? I do think it's possible that Cook could play one more year. Right, he's on the contract. If so, I could very well see, you know, guys moving. Because think about it. The money that Madison got, that's a lot of money for a backup. He signed what was it six one was it two was it six million? I wanna say. Somewhere around um, there. I don't remember the exact. He, he got a he got a pretty good penny. Not the, that's not backup running back money. So that was kind of a, a sign as well that Cook could be on the way out. But again, look for Madison to be the starter and McBride to be the the, the second guy coming up. I love Addison. This could be lightning in the bottle for sure. It really helps Kirk Cousins a lot. This this team really looks good. I think to your point, I think more likely that Dalvin comes back for at least one more year. I think with especially with a bill of health and sometimes being away from the situations, it's gonna be a rekindling of some sort. Even with somebody, you know, we, we heard Lamar Jackson's request a trade and things unfold. I think Dalvin is a really pivotal piece for them. I think he can have his better season now with this piece of Jordan Addison. Addison, to me, is really going to be high in redraft. I think a lot of people are going to take the, the oh, he had a down year at USC. But like I said, if you really look at it, like he was not set up to be successful in the offense. And I wish they played more to what he did in Pitt than him being not just not utilized correctly, but having three stud receivers uh, on USC. I think a lot of people don't know that, like the underclassmen under him, are like going to be high draft choices come uh, in their respectful uh, drafts. So I think a lot of people are getting Addison at a discount. He could have arguably been the best wide receiver in the right, utilizing the right situation. I, I really do see him as somebody I would take with wide receiver to upside. Considering all the things, remember all last season, we all took turns talking about Osborne and doing the comparison to the, you know, the 80% and have a percentage that they utilize uh, with the Rams and Kevin O'Connell far as utilizing a slot receiver now you're giving somebody who could play inside and outside receiver more than 100 targets as a rookie oh nah and then he know what's the he know what to do with it and i like what kirk cousins kind of alluded to once he kind of was brought up to speed with what kind of player this was and if we know something about you know kirk cousins he's one of the better or the best considering the season he just had anticipatory throwers somebody he don't he don't have to worry about not being open or not getting enough situated uh separated or knowing where he has to be is uh, addison so i think addison is going to be regarded as one of the top receivers as far as you know someone to look for early in, in the rounds oh yeah real quick too man kj osborne that's the one that took a step back i mean Used to be some promise in him, but yeah, for sure, his dreams just got shattered. Gonna wrap it up with the NFC West, starting out with Arizona. Now, they decided protecting the quarterback was going to be a priority, so Paris Johnson out of Ohio State tackle was their first choice. They also got wide receiver Michael Wilson out of Stanford, they went with offensive guard John Gaines out of UCLA. And that pretty much did it for him. Oh, they also got Clayton Toon, quarterback out of Houston. So he'll be battling it out with Colt McCoy to see who will be starting out the season while Kyler Murray is still on the mend. 
we've what we wanted to happen happened, right? They went and finally got a high draft choice. This is the crazy thing I just I learned recently. Kyler Murray was knocking on the door for years for them when the top tackle was on the board for two years straight consecutive season to go and get him protection. Even though they have Paris Johnson as a guard, this man is truly a tackle. And I think now you can kind of move DJ Humphreys to the right side or even kick the uh, DJ back to guard. And now you guys, that offensive line solidified indefinitely. Someone who, who really took a step forward is really only going to be Kyler Murray, right? And that's even pending his health, which he's doing outstanding. Um, Michael Wilson, as far as him as a receiver, this is somebody who in two consecutive years had season into injury, but he had a ton of upside. So it made sense as to why you kind of reach for him. Because before that, he really was somebody to speak upon as far as being a good uh, choice. But I think, you know, look at how you have like Greg Dortch, Zach Pascal. We might as well leave him off our radar until he does something. But it did stand, stand out. Yeah, I, I really love that like, them addressing the offensive line as far as this draft because this flexibility is something that they needed for a long time in this organization. The guy who gained the most after the draft was James Conner. I mean, that's what I was going to mention. There was yeah, there definitely. was no no they didn't touch a running back. You know what I mean? They didn't bring anybody in. So I guess it's his job again. And Keontae yeah. Ingram because Connor is no stranger to injury. So right. Ingram, so I think, took a step I think forward. Those are guys that definitely won after this draft. But again, Joe, you know, I was saying uh, Joe was going, he's going at it with me. And I was saying um, a, a Devontae Adams comp. And my guy, it was Michael Wilson. Like this dude is. Dude, this dude is like that. Like, you watch him at senior at the senior bowl, man. This dude was like, he's not, he's not. He, I mean, if you look at his numbers, you put them, they're pretty, they're, they're a lot identical to like how Devontae was. And his release off the line is crazy. Just like a Devontae. Like, these boys get off the line so, so smooth, man. You can't get a hand on them. This dude runs extremely good routes. If he can stay healthy, man, he gonna, just remember that dude. Remember Michael Wilson, man. If you're in the dynasty league, and he's free, grab him. He probably won't be at this point because a lot of people are throwing guys on taxis if you have taxis. I ended up drafting him in the third because of, he was a guy just had to go ahead and reach in and make sure I get him. But this dude is like that. He's legit. I'm telling you. Like I was hoping Hopkins was was to get moved because he could probably slide to that spot. Watch out for Michael Rich, uh, Michael Wilson. Man. I really like this kid. The San Francisco 49ers drafted Michigan kicker Jake Moody, who was a stud at kicker. And I can kind of see, you know, with their defense being what it is, some games kind of coming down to that, you know, last-ditch effort. They also drafted Alabama tight end Cameron Latoa and then Michigan wide receiver Ronnie Bell as well. Vander, what you got on your squad? I'm not sure if there was any fallers in this team because, I mean, this team is already pretty much geared up to make a run. It's not really much I got to say on this team. There hasn't really been any risers or really any fallers because, well, hell, we don't have any draft capital. I mean, it's all gone due to, to, yeah, I was about to say Trey Lance, yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, due to him, uh, there wasn't really any rising or falling going on. So, I mean, come on. The biggest thing, the first thing you said at your mouth was, we got a kicker. You know what I mean? So, yeah. shout out. You know what I mean? Shout out to that. But other than that, like, there hasn't really been any movement as far as the needle on this team. Joe, your boy Seattle drafted who I consider the best wide receiver on the board, Jackson Smith and Jig in Jigba. They also drafted Zach Carbonet, 
LSU offensive guard Anthony Bradford and also Michigan center Alu Alamawami and Georgia running back Kenny McIntosh. So how are you feeling about your boys? Is this going to be a full-blown kind of committee deal as far as running back is concerned? And did Walker take a step back or what you got on Seattle? I was right in our group, right in the dynasty, like, we're going to get Jackson Smith and Jigma. Normally, you already know, any other year they take the opposite of what I, I say. I mean, this is the slam dunk pick. Tyler Lockett, stock down. Stock immediately down. And what I mean by that is, and I really want to preface this because a lot of people just think that Jigba is just a slot guy. Get what we've been, what we saw, right? But you also got to think who else was there the entire time. He had Garrett Wilson and he had Olave. This dude, they they don't even have the skill set. It's almost like Metcalf, AJ Brown, Elijah Moore kind of thing. But this time, you can't get it twisted with uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. What Seattle like to do, and we all know, is we always pass the torch, right? We always pass the torch. And, you know, I've named the receivers before, but Lockett is going to be passing his torch to uh, Njigba. I do think Tyler Lockett is still going to be in his role for some time, but he can't afford an injury because with Njigba's skill set, this is a house call. This is a house party, man. This, I think he's going to really show people how, how great of a receiver he is. He's going to pay dividends for our team. So I think it helps really Geno a lot, right? So going into quickly Kenneth Walker, I think this it literally becomes more or less, we're looking at the Packers, right? We got our Aaron Jones and our Kenneth Walker, and then now we got our version of A.J. Dillon. There we go. Zach Charbonnet, what you like about him is that he just – he. He ain't the fastest of the bunch, but he does everything so well. And his hands are really complimentary. I think, honestly, if I, we had a hands contest between him and Walker, it'll be that close. We're looking at route running as far as a running back between them two. He's going to be the better of the two. I think this is a one-two punch. So like you said, I wouldn't be too high on Walker. But then again, you got to kind of look where we finish. And as far as rushing, we're always going to be in that top 15 so it's always going to be value for Walker, right? He's still going to have that home run capability. That's also not getting twisted. You don't bring in a Zach Charbonnet not to be the one being in that scenario. So I think the real rise in this one was Geno. And, yeah, I think, you know, as far as Jackson Smith and Jigba, as far as redraft, take it. He's, I think he's going to be one of those people that is going to be, you know, several weeks into the NFL because we, we got to wait for injury. I think that's when he really going to implode is based upon injury. This, uh, this is a perfect fit, man. We're going to have like two 1,500-yard receivers in the f- coming up between him and uh, Metcalf. Real talk. Yeah, I would say the biggest guy um, who took the boost would probably be Geno because he's the guy that got weapons. Coming off a really good year, and let's see if he can duplicate and have another good season. Uh, with these additions, I mean, it's, it's looking up for him. As far as the Kenneth Walker situation, I don't think it's going to affect him fantasy-wise per se, but he does take a step back a little because I think he just maybe loses the third down role a little bit. I think Charbonnet would probably be, be more of that third down guy because, I mean, like Joe kind of alluded to, in my opinion, I think he's the better receiver. I mean, out of the bunch, he's the he's just the best catcher out of the backfield that they have currently. So the first two downs will be on the field a lot more. He does have that home run capability. But I think Charbonnet would probably be more that third down guy. Ken Walker still is a, a valuable piece, whether in dynasty or redraft. Um, I don't think anybody really took any steps 
any big leaps back, but like I said, it's a small step for Kenneth Walker. Maybe Lockett took a small step due to, because, you know, someone else is in the building. But as a whole, I think this team uh, took a step forward as far as uh, the offense. To wrap it up, we have the Los Angeles Rams. They went with offensive guard out of TCU, Steve Avela. They also got Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett, offensive tackle out of Georgia, Warren McClendon Jr., Clemson tight end Davis Allen, BYU wide receiver Puka Nukua, and running back uh, Zach Evans out of Mississippi. They also picked up a punter, Ethan Evans. So to wrap it up, guys, what do we have on the Los Angeles Rams? Who were the movers and shakers here? Now, these these names are not going to be like mind-blowing names, but I do like the moves that the Rams made. I think the guy that the guys that took the step forward offensively uh, because they brought in a lot of good offensive guys, I think this Puka guy could very well be filling in for that new, that, that, that old Robert Woods role. Van Jefferson, he's not the answer. They've been scoring that guy. He's not, nah. Puka's a really good blocker also, just like Robert Woods. Um, I just think, I think that they see a lot of that in him. So I think he's the guy, he's a guy that you can give a, a swing pass to, a jet sweep. Like he's, he could do it all. Kind of like how Robert Woods was, like a Swiss Army knife in a way, but a good blocker. Uh, Cam Akers, I think he took a, a a fall, a little small fall with the Zach Evans move. Cam was in the dog cost earlier in the season. He did kind of step it up at the end of the season, but now it's a new dude in the room. I think Kyron Williams could be in trouble as well. But I think Zach, him and Zach are probably battling out for that second spot going into the season. You know, I like this kid, Stetson Bennett. He took a lot of hits, you know, due to maybe off the field things and also not just the big quarterback people talk about, but um, he's a winner, man. And he played well when it comes to the big competition. I mean, look at the Ohio State game. Like, he stepped up one his time. So I think he's going to be the guy waiting the wings. Um, looking at this team, you really got to start with the Zach Evans move. I, I've been wanting Cam Akers to come back to form ever since he came back in a couple months from that Achilles for the Super Bowl. I was like, man, I want him to come back the following year. And then it was like him in a committee. I think this year, Zach Evans is someone that I'm going to follow heavily as far as this team because he darn well could beat out Cam Akers. And it could be depending on, like I said, I don't know what Cam Cam coming into the you know season like because he was also about to get cut at one point. It was just too much drama around him. But you're talking about somebody who can definitely supplant him easily. I think that would be Zach Evans. I think it's, it's a it's a roadmap for him to get on the field relatively early, and his you know ability as a runner is is really um, kind of great considering the small program and also his size and his build really rather than size. Steve Avila really is going to help out with this Matthew Stafford. I'm just like they who are they going to get? They needed to really address this even deeper, and I'm surprised. Dewan Jones went all the way to freaking Cleveland, and we'll talk about that on a different show. Back to Avila, you're talking about one of the top guards in this year's draft. I think they had to get him somebody to keep him upright. Stetson Bennett, I think you never know with him, man. I think, you know, he was already a good thrower. He's going to come into an offense that's very similar to what we ran in Georgia, and he has he has the accuracy. He don't have, you know, Stafford arm ain't what it used to be, so he, he can go toe-for-toe with Stafford now, but 
I like this these moves. Now going to wide receiver real quick, right? Because I think this is where this is going to be something we're going to have to watch super closely because they also had got uh, Tyler Hudson. They had Cameron Matuchin also to like these smaller names. Ben Squared and Rennick or whatever his name is, he ain't going – I hope he ain't. But, we again, it's the Rams. I hope he ain't the guy. But Puka definitely – he definitely stands out to me, somebody who should be the third receiver in this bunch. But, again, I would just look at – because Lance Matuchin is real small. Tutu obviously is small. But Tyler Hudson and Puka, they're going to definitely contend for that third wide receiver spot. So I think people should look there as far as, like, just keeping abreast about that. You never know who might come out of it during pre, you know, preseason. So we'll see. And that pretty much wraps it up for this week. Next week, we'll hop into the AFC and give you our risers and fallers. But until then, we out.